Carol Joy Side, and welcome to the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. You're listening to episode 149. This is a podcast to help you homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. Well, this morning, I am sitting across from my friend, Rachel Reeves, who is kind of a rock star around here, and um, she does many, many things, uh, and she can tell you about them, but what we're focusing on today is what she does in the area of helping families navigate the very challenging and amazing world of screens and how to keep our children innocent and pure and set apart. So welcome, Miss Rachel. Thank you so much for having me again, Carol. Mm, It is such a thrill. Uh, For our listeners, Rachel is about to have her fourth baby, Mm -hmm. and we are so excited for her, and you can all be praying for her in March when the baby, Lord willing, is coming forth into the world, Mm -hmm. and um, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. But Rachel, tell us how you became so passionate about this area of technology and what it does with our children. Well, um, I think that by one thing I'm very interested in and spend um, some of my, well, I was going to say extra time, but I don't feel like I have a lot of extra time with homeschooling and whatnot, but I make time in the margins to share news headlines um, on social media. And talk uh, about that and what it's called so people can find you. Yeah, I have a, a news account called Here Are the Headlines, where daily I share um, the news pertinent information that's happening nationally and globally. And I've been doing it for about a year and a half or so. And in doing that, it's just become a daily, if not hourly, it's become evident to me daily that the battle for our children's mind is really one of the biggest news stories that's happening in our country. And You know, I have friends that have been talking about this, you know, that I've been speaking with about this topic for, you know, years since kids really started carrying around these computers in their, you know, jean pocket. Yeah. Um, My friend Greta has been talking about this for ages and she's really, you know, on the front lines of this. Um, But in my report, who? Eskridge. Eskridge. Yeah. Um, and you can find her on social media too. She has a wealth of resources about how to protect your children from um, just the dangers of screens and what it is doing to a generation of children. And so in reporting, I'm just seeing stories every single day of the harm that's being done to children's hearts and minds and souls and their, you know, and and secondary, their academics, um, their relationships, their emotions. Uh, And so it's become one of the headlines that I share most frequently along with, you know, what's happening um, in Ukraine and what's going on in the White House is what's happening to our youth. Amen. So here are some of the, here are the headlines posts that you've done recently. Three-fourths of teens have viewed pornography online by the age of 17. Three-fourths. And the average age of exposure was 12 years old. 
41% of teens said they had seen nude images and sex acts online during their school day. Happy days are here again. Yeah. Oh my word. And 58% said they didn't, they weren't seeking them out. They just came to them happy days while they were surfing the web on social media or through search engines or clicking ads. Yeah. And they were on sites like uh, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, Reddit, and of course, on other porn hubs like Pornhub or YouPorn. But those were intentional that they were looking for. But yeah. these things are coming from every direction. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's startling. Ahead. It's startling. And when I read the report, the report came out and I saw it really, really quickly. Um, as soon as it was published, uh, someone sent it my way and I started reading and I felt sick to my stomach, not because I don't understand the content that is available. I think if you're going to learn about what's happening specifically to children, you're going to be privy to information and things that you wish you had never learned were That's even true. available. Um, but if we are so um, impacted and repelled by those things, then we should be fighting all the more to keep those away from our children. I understand that there's a tendency with parents to want to look away, yes. not hear what's available, not yes. see what the children are seeing. That's right. Not talk about it. But if you feel uncomfortable and you feel disgusted, there is a reason for that. And, and imagine what a little child's mind is being exposed to. And so when I saw these numbers, you know, it says the average age of exposure was 12 years old. I can almost guarantee that it's younger than that. I would say eight is what yeah. I have read in other sources. And I have, yeah, I just, it, from all I've read, these stories are not happening to 13, 14, 15 year olds. I mean, they are, but the, the ones that we really need to pinpoint and share with parents is this is happening much sooner. And if your child is exposed to this without having a discussion with you directly afterwards or very quickly afterwards, it will be a full-blown traumatic problem by the time they are 14, 15, 16. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, 75% is a horrendous number, but I think it's probably higher. I, I mean, <laughs> I agree. So a couple questions. One, how do you protect and prevent? And then I'll get to number two. Start yeah. there. Well, um, I can only speak from my experience with three daughters um, that at an age appropriate time, which I believe is young, you need to start setting the groundwork for discussions with them about what is acceptable and appropriate and what isn't. And I am not a Luddite. We have computers in our house. We have iPads. My girls, you know, have acceptable apps and they use their computers for writing papers or for doing research. But we began discussions very early with them about what is appropriate to look at with our eyes, to speak about with our mouth, to do with our hands, what we can and cannot do. And you can start that early without sexualizing yes. a topic. But as they get older, I think, especially um, for homeschooling families, often 
we feel like maybe no discussion will protect them. Yes. And I don't believe we have that option um, anymore in our culture. I hate that, you know, we say a prayer in church on Sundays about when we pray for the children of our church, we pray that they remain unspotted from the world. Mm. And every time we say that, my heart breaks a little bit because even the child that does not engage willingly in certain behaviors or sees certain things or hears certain things, children have to have an awareness these days that some of this is happening so that they can protect themselves and know to call upon an adult when they are exposed because they will be exposed. And that's the saddest part is there's almost not an option anymore. Um, we can't lock our children up in the home and we also can't have control over other people's children. Definitely. And I hear from many people that that's how their children were exposed was by seeing it on someone else. It's great if you don't wanna give your children a cell phone. I'm not handing one to my kids, but other families are. So we and have I to find, Oh, excuse me, Rachel. And I find that is um, that is the the being parental part. Okay. So, for example, a child comes into your home with a cell phone in their pocket. Yeah. And your children don't have cell phones, but right. they now walked into your home. How are you parental in taking charge of that situation, graciously, lovingly, but yeah. firmly? Yeah, we've had it happen only a few times. I mean, again, one of the benefits of homeschooling is kind of choosing your kids' friends and you get That's to be right. choosy. And often, you know, you pick people with like-minded ideas about how to handle these situations. But I mean, my oldest daughter is going to be 15 in a couple of weeks. And, you know, um, other people are going to make different decisions and they're going to be great kids that I want my kids to be able to be friends with. But I have no problem with just saying, you know what, guys, we're not going to be on our phones when we're in the house. Let's put them all in this bowl in the kitchen. Amen. So right on. Here's yeah. a basket. Put yeah. um, phones in the basket. Our, our, our house is not potty trained with phones or, you know, whatever. Make a joke about it. Like, you know, but, um, but it can be really scary yes. because in five seconds, what that child can expose your child to that will take a lifetime of undoing. Yes. And um, so there's a line between popularity and stupidity. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I want this other child to like me. I want people to want to come to my house, whatever, want to be with my kids. But there's a point where if this is a rabid dog coming down the street. Right what do we do? Right. And I think that parents, um, I'm hoping, I think it's sad that we've had to have our children exposed to so much darkness and evil in order for certain parents to open their eyes and be aware of what's going on. But I think that that's beginning to happen, but that's not fast enough. This is children that we are literally losing because they become addicted to these this horrible life that's completely lived outside of relationships that's lived on a screen and um i think parents have been sold a bill of goods and they really are afraid to take a stand and if they believe that it's worth it i think they're afraid i think some parents still don't see why their kids can't have a smartphone and they're still trying to tell themselves not my kid and they're still trying to assume it won't happen to them, but it will. Like I have a phone 
my phone. Yes. And if I go on Instagram to the explore feature and I'm looking for something, mm-hmm. I will see things that I don't want to see. And I am an adult who has yes. the faculty to turn it off. Children don't have that yet. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think that what I'm seeing is that some parents are waking up, but not enough and not fast enough. And they're afraid to tell their kids, I'm taking your phone away. We're not doing this anymore. Or we're not going to have phones in our house um, because they're afraid of the consequences. Not being cool. Yeah. Not being popular, not being liked, being right. thought and of as weird. Well, yeah. And if you're in the public school system, you will be weird. I mean, I talk with teachers every single day, every kid in their class has a smartphone, every one of them. And if they don't, then the kid has maybe an equivalent, like my daughter, my 14 year old has a gab phone, um, which has no social media and no apps that can connect to the internet. So she could try and get away with, you know, if she cared, she could try and get away with just having that, but she will be the odd man out. Your kid in public schools right now, starting at sixth grade up, if they don't have a cell phone, they will be different. That's and right. I don't think parents want to talk to their kids about that and why that is and why that doesn't matter and what their family's moral responsibility is and what their family's values are. It's just not happening. Do you know that my online store has a library of resources to help you take the next step in your homeschooling journey? For those of you who want help navigating the world of screens, Taming the Media Lion is for you. And for those of you on a tight budget or those wanting more general information, check out the interviews I recorded with my son, JJ. We cover a myriad of topics. There are so many resources available. Be sure to visit my website at caroljoyside.com forward slash online dash store. When you subscribe to our email list, you'll receive a coupon code for 10% off your first purchase. Now back to the show. Well, what I like is, um, I don't know if you know who Dr. Sears, the pediatrician is, but Bill Sears and his sons have created this kind of family culture Pride, like we don't eat foods with numbers and letters in their ingredients, or we don't eat foods with uh, ingredients we can't pronounce. Like yeah. our family, it becomes almost a positive thing. Yeah. And I watched this weekend um, a young man that I just did a podcast with. He and his new bride are about to go to the Middle East as missionaries, mm-hmm. and um, they come from a very, very hip intellectual, cool family, six kids. And um, this young man, Ellison, pulled out his phone at my church. He was here visiting and everyone went, oh, what is that? And it was, it was a dumb phone. I forget what brand it was, but something. And all the hipsters were like, oh, oh. And then Ellison said, yeah, I was spending way too much time on my smartphone and I got rid of it. And, um, and it was like a, a source of pride among the people in his generation. Mm-hmm. Like if you've been raised with technology all your life, you're done. You're yeah. like, how do I get out of this? Yeah. We all feel this way. Like I want to cut the cord, yeah. but making it something cool. This isn't a, a you know, we're, we're in denial or we are 
um, I feel like it's a source of power and esteem. Like, yeah, we are so over iPhones. Our family, you know, we have internet on my mom and dad's computer in our kitchen. That's all we need. If we need to check something, there's a lot of eyes on it when we're on it, but we don't need to get sucked into the vortex of people that are getting doctoral degrees and how to addict me to what they're producing. And yeah. let's talk a little bit about like the dopamine cocaine-like reaction mm -hmm. and, and what happens when a child is exposed to something, whether they want it to be or not, yeah. what reaction do they get and how do they get that reaction again? Well, and that's the problem. What they're saying in these studies, and of course, I am not a doctor, a physician, or a, a professional researcher on this topic. I'm simply a mom right. who understands the tendencies of children and adults. Mm -hmm. When we are curious about something, when we want to do something, we are going to try and find a way. And especially with things that affect and impact our brain and the, and the maturing brain of a child, it's the same as with alcohol or with drugs, you know, some are stimulants and some of course are not stimulants, but they are, they have addictive, you know, properties with, with this, with these, with pornography, especially, and especially in the lives of little boys, but yes, too are just becoming, they're addicted to social media and um, these apps in a different way, but increasingly girls are also becoming addicted to pornography or at least being exposed and continuing to view it for different reasons. And it is like a dopamine hit. And the problem with pornography, especially specifically, is that it won't stay a static that's right. Viewing experience. It always has to be elevated. And with pornography, obviously that is going deeper and deeper into a darker and darker place for these children, because no longer what at the beginning satisfied will continue to satisfy the physical um, need for this viewing that, yes. you know, simulation um, and yeah. the hit that you get the dopamine um, right. hit, which uh, is exactly like cocaine, exactly yeah. like crack cocaine. Yeah. So, you know, your child is carrying around an addictive substance right. in their pocket. Right. And I remember when I was teaching and this was gosh, my daughter's 15 as before I had her and I was teaching in a class and I had sixth graders and it was when the first phone started kind of hitting the market and a sixth grader had one in the class. And I said, what is that for? And this was in a, um, a like a private Christian environment. And he said, I'm bringing it to, cause I have a, I have the Bible app on there, you know? And I, I thought, oh, okay. You know, I, I wasn't aware. I didn't even have a smartphone at that point of time. Right. right. Um, but as we've moved on in the last five, 10 years, I remember before it got, before we were at this like inflection point, <clears throat> I remember my husband who grew up in a much more permissive environment than I did mm -hmm. um, in a much more liberal in the sense that he could do whatever he wanted. And this was, you know, we're old now. This was 30 years ago when he was maturing. Mm -hmm. um, he saw things that he shouldn't have seen. And that's when nothing was available. And he was looking at these kids carrying these phones and he still is. And he says it all the time. He said, Rachel, if I had had a cell phone when I was that age, I would be 
a deviant. I would be today destroyed. And he really believes it. And he says, Rachel, it's like handing your kid a loaded gun. These these kids are being handed this by parents, some well-meaning completely, but being told, we trust you, look away if you see something bad, Um, not understanding the psychological, physiological, and, you know, effects that this is going to have on their mind. And the fact that kids can't always turn away, adults can't even turn away. Mm -hmm. Um, We want to assume, excuse me, but I want my kids to like me. Right. I want my kids to be nerdy. Yeah, I don't want them to be weird. But this well, is what you said. Uh, th- this is what you posted. Can I read you? Yes. How yeah. you are? This is yeah. so good. Ready? You are the parent. What a concept. You are in charge. Your child is not owed internet access or a smartphone. Your child will be exposed to pornography for certain if given these devices. And while they'll also be exposed one day, even if they don't have access now, their exposure will be stayed off and come after they are able to mentally handle the depravity. You can remove this danger and your child will thank you one day. I love you. (laughs) You are so right on. Well, and I'm writing it because. I'm hoping it's very true. (laughs) I believe it to be true. And I believe it to be true because I'm hearing from parents who have the first kids coming out of this generation generation of, of, and their kids are either saying, I chucked, I got rid of my own cell phone. I didn't want it anymore because of the dangers and I was exposed to stuff and now I'm damaged, but I'm coming back from that. Or their kids are going into atmospheres where they're seeing what this constant loop to them is causing. They're going off to college and going, who are these people? Like they're, they're not able to speak in coherent sentences. They can't write worth a lick. They are um, distant. They can't have relationships. They only understand one type of language. They can't dissent or argue or talk or have conversations and they don't want anything to do with it. And so I really think that this is one of those, you know, when COVID started, you know, masking your kids was a hill that people were willing to die on or sending your children to school, having to wear masks. You hear a lot. This is my hill. This is what I'm dying on. And, and while I can appreciate that, and we needed to fight against ridiculous stuff that was happening during COVID and bodily autonomy and not having to be vaxxed and not being, you know, following these mandates, this is a much bigger hill to die on. And I think that parents need to take a minute and really look at the cost benefit analysis. What is this going to cost your child? And how is it actually going to benefit them? Because you're handing them a loaded gun. What if a parent says, well, I need to be able to reach my child at all times. Great. Get them a dumb phone. You can, there's plenty of them that are coming out. There's tons. There's tons of options. My daughter has a gab, but I know for, there's other companies. Um, Light phones is something I'm really excited about getting because I would love to just, you know, you can talk and text, I believe. Yes, that's it. And that's all I need. And when my daughter goes to babysit or hopefully in the next couple of months, when she gets her first job, she will be able to communicate with me 
And I'll know that if she's babysitting, she's not sitting on the couch while little Jimmy's running around and staring at YouTube or Instagram. Or TikTok. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, this is, as you say, a hill to die on. And I know um, when my son went to Bible college, we'd never had screens. Um, he, we got a screen when he was about 13 to watch black and white classic films. That was, those were the only, you know, screens. Um, of course he was raised before cell phones. He got his first cell phone, I think in college. That's when, you know, but until then, not even that. But he said to me after he'd been there a short while that he could tell the kids who'd been raised with televisions and the kids who had not. And I said, well, what's the difference? And he said, well, the kids who've been raised with screens are inarticulate, they're illiterate, and the girls dress way more immodestly than the girls who have not. Right. And, and he said to me, even though he would have loved to have a screen, he probably would have put an in, intravenous needle in his arm of a screen, you know, if he could have. Yeah, of course. And he said, I think that being raised without a television was the single most significant fact yeah. factor in my life. Yeah. And he's now a pastor with a doctorate, you know, from seminary. And He's just the greatest kid. I mean, he's like my favorite person. And he's now starting to speak with me because he's now the fruit, you know, of everything I've taught and homeschooling his own four children. So he's up against this, this tidal wave in a whole different way than we as parents were up, you know, in my generation, but it's later on, they don't, they don't rise up and call you blessed when they're 13. Mm -hmm. They rise up and call you blessed when you're when they're 33 mm-hmm. right yeah and so you may have to be unpopular for a short time oh wow well, yeah get over it. it's true and I think too um you know being a homeschool this is when I wish more public school and private school parents who send their kids to school would speak out about this and talk about how they are not going to give their kids these phones because automatically anytime I post about this and someone learns that I'm a homeschooler, it's like, oh, it's because you homeschool. Uh And, and that's fine with me because yeah, it is kind of part of the package because you see every day your children's sin and you see their tendencies and you know that if you gave them that phone, what they do with it. And you want to know why? Because you see your tendencies and what you do with your phone. And so I wish more, um, you know, people who maybe aren't um, in a faith tradition or aren't homeschooling would speak out, but there is, it is happening little by little. And what I love about it is when I will post something like this, I'll get nasty messages about how I'm just a Christian zealot, you know, yada, yada, yada. That's fine. But recently, I think it was about a month ago, New York Times ran an article about this group, this club at a public school, and I believe it was maybe Long Island, who all decided, this group of girls, there was maybe like 12 or 15 of them who decided to ditch their smartphones and all buy flip phones. And the whole article front page was just about how amazing it was, how cool it was to have a flip phone. And I just thought, of course, you know, because this will be what people need to read to be like, okay, maybe it is kind of cool. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say in Overland Park, which is outside of of, uh, Kansas City, a group of parents and families got together and started this organization. And the whole key of it is 
who at the last person to get a phone wins. Yeah. They have created this whole culture of reverse technology embracing. Yeah. And um, if you watch the social dilemma, which I'm sure you've watched, yeah. and what what social media is doing particularly to our girls. Oh yeah. It if I'd been alive during that time, I, I don't really know if I would have lived through it and not probably committed suicide. The the absolute terror of social media and bullying through social media yeah. that takes place with our little girls, our innocent oh. sweet little girls. Yeah, you have problems running in tandem. You have pornography that's impacting um boys and it is impacting girls as well i don't want to you know make it sound like it's not but on the other side you also have the problem of what social media is doing to the mind of our females and our young ladies who we are wanting to raise um i know as a christian but many parents even if they're not of a faith tradition they know something's off about what social media is doing to these girls and it's like social contagion this is why we're seeing a ramp up which is why it's on the front page of New York Times today about the ramp up of children identifying as transgender. And it's primarily girls and it's primarily upper class white girls in suburban regions. And it is because their friends are doing it. And where are they getting this information? They're getting it online, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. They're being socialized through social media and they are what we were in high school with no social media. It was popular to have anorexia. It was popular to cut. It was popular to have an eating disorder. And when I say popular, I mean it became something that was what you talked about. You wanted to know who was doing it. There had there was intrigue. Um, because it was something you didn't understand or know about. And it was a way to express these emotions that these girls are naturally having at this age where they feel out of place. They feel confused. They're navigating this really tumultuous time in their hearts and bodies. And instead of having adults who they trust come alongside of them and nurture them yes. and and, and feed them scripture and words from the Lord, they are turning to social media. And so there is data. I mean, this is about pornography, what I, what I was researching on, but I've researched in the past about all of the other horrible things that are coming out of social media for these kids. How can we not just say enough is enough? Take this stuff away from children. Amen. And from adults. I mean, nobody <laughs> social media, let's face it. Like I need, I need a mapping app, but I don't need social media. Like I've no, no sense of direction. So <laughs> give me a map, <laughs> give me something so I don't get lost. But who needs that? Like, it's so, it's so fun. My son and his wife and many of their friends have no social media. And it's very trendy, I think, at our church to just not have social media at all in the leadership, the elders. Like, it's just, it's a reaction and it's a swing to yeah. say no, who yeah. says I need to be sucked into this vortex? Right. And I, yeah, I think that that's the hardest part too, is parents feel like they are hypocritical for telling their kids they can't have it when they do. And I understand that to a degree. I have social media. I have three separate Instagram accounts because I'm running three separate or at least two separate businesses on there, which bring in 
you know, income for our family and that's fine. But what I try and explain to the girls is, is that I am an adult. I'm old. (laughs) Nothing surprises me anymore. Um, I have the faculties to at least be able to wisely navigate. And even with that, I make mistakes and I let social media impact my, my mind, my heart, and my feelings towards myself and others. So if I can't navigate it perfectly, I mean, poor 12 year olds that are expected to do this. And so I, I try and tell them social media isn't all bad. There has been good coming out of this. Look at what we're able to do here. We're able to connect and talk and expose darkness and also expose God's light. But in doing that, we cannot stop and miss, or we, we have to stop. Otherwise, we will miss the very real danger that is lurking. Mm-hmm. Satan is using these platforms and this issue in our day and age to destroy That's right. children and families. That's right. That's right. And sometimes we just have to be big. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to take the hit. It's okay if you don't like me, but someday you will thank me. And I know you know that I love you. And so get over it. Like I tell parents on the day your baby is conceived, right then say, Lord, I don't need to be popular. I just need to remember that I am doing this as unto you. Someday I will stand before you and give an account for how I raise this child. And so if, you know, I don't need my children to like me but I am going to love them well. Right. And eventually, believe me, they will bring you bouquets of flowers and thank you for being parental, which is not popular. And even if they don't, I mean, it's your job. Like, this is the one thing you have to do. You have to do this. I don't know. Maybe my kids will resent me until the day they die. I certainly hope not. But, but, you know... And it's not like they can't, I tell my daughters all the time, they don't complain because they just know this is our rule. And you know, um, yeah, when you're 18 and you get a job and you want to pay for your own phone and your own cell phone plan, that will be your choice to make. Mm-hmm. Um, be, but they know that they'll be able to have it one day if that's a priority of theirs, but they also know that there's danger out there. And um, that still breaks my heart. 18 is still so young. I can't, I made the stupidest mistakes when I was 18. I thought I knew everything and I knew nothing. And I swear, I don't feel like I know everything and I make stupid mistakes right now. So I just keep praying, Lord, please keep them. Like the prayer says in our church, unspotted from the world as best we can in this just dark landscape. Well, Rachel, would you pray that very thing for our listeners right now? Yeah. Thank you. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to parent our children. Thank you for giving them to us for this time. They are yours. And I pray that we will feel emboldened to do what is right by them and um, by you, that you'll give us wisdom to navigate the very bizarre time we're living in because Lord, you placed us here right now on purpose, not 50 years ago, not 500 years ago, but right now. And I pray that we'll remember that when we just feel like um, it's a little too heavy. And I thank you for Carol and her ministry. I pray that you will increase it. 
because it's bringing glory to you and bringing families together. And I just thank you again for your love for us and your love for these children. Um, may we keep fighting for their innocence. In your name, amen. Amen. Rachel, you are a kindred spirit. You are, Carol. I just love talking with you anytime. Me too. I feel the same. Thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you listeners for joining us on the Homeschool Made Simple podcast. I love to help families homeschool simply, inexpensively, and enjoyably. When you help me get the word out about what I'm doing here, I appreciate it so much. Until next time, remember, Jesus' commands are not burdensome. What he calls you to do, he will enable you to do. Blessings.